Shall we please pray? Let's pray and thank God for bringing us together to fellowship and to hear his word. Let's say, Father, we thank you for this opportunity in the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, we are grateful. Lord, we thank you in the name of Jesus for bringing us here to fellowship, to hear your word. Thank you. Please pray and ask God to open your heart to receive his word. That God will open your heart, that his word will find a place inside you, in Jesus' name. So, Father, we pray by your power and grace that you open our hearts. Open our hearts, Lord. Open our hearts to receive your word. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. 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 Um, hide and seek is a game children love to play. The goal is that you make it as difficult as possible for the seeker to find you. At home, um, Aseye is quite good with that. She can hide so much that she becomes frustrated because if I can't find her, <laughs> she's really good. Sometimes I can't even find her. So for the goal of hide, hide and seek, make it as difficult as possible for the seeker to find you. For a lot of people, I would even say, for a lot of us here this morning, this is how it feels like towards God. We think that God is in a game of hide and seek. Because it, is, it appears to be difficult to find God. It appears to be difficult to have a sense of the presence of God. This God we have been speaking about, where is he? You have never seen him. You have never felt him. It is difficult to find him. The God of hide and seek. But you know, as we come to the book of Exodus, I think it challenges this kind of view about God. Exodus shows us that God wants to be known. God is not in the business of hiding himself from us and making it difficult for us to discover him. God wants to be known. God wants you to know that indeed he is the Lord. The passages we have read this morning gives us two ways God makes himself known. The Lord is known through judgment. The Lord is known through salvation. Now the first one, the Lord is known through judgment. Let's look at chapter 7. From verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your bro brother Aaron will be your prophet. You are to say everything I command you, and your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let Israel go out of this country. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, 
And though I multiply my signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. Now we are seeing the first way God is going to make himself known. Okay, let me finish the statement. He says, verse 4, and he will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and with mighty acts of judgment, I will bring out my divisions, my people, the Israelites. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. When I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out of the land. And the Egyptians will what? No. God wants to be known. God wants the Egyptians to know that he is the Lord. The one who is in absolute control of all things and everyone. Here we are seeing two stages of God making himself known through judgment. Step one. Verse three, look at it. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. The way God says he's going to make himself known is how? He's going to harden the heart of Pharaoh. This raises some questions for us, doesn't it? If God is going to harden Pharaoh's heart so that Pharaoh will not let the people go, immediately we think that God is being unjust, especially if he's going to judge him. God is being unkind. But there's an important evidence here in Exodus that makes us rethink that assumption. Look at chapter 9, verse 34. We are looking at the verdict God is giving. The author, the narrator here is giving about Pharaoh's heart. He says, when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had stopped, listen to it, he did what? He sinned again. He and his officials hardened their hearts. Now, the hardening of Pharaoh's heart is described as what? Sin. So immediately, we know that God is holding him what? Responsible for his actions. God is holding Pharaoh responsible for his actions. Yet, what we read in chapter 7, verse 3, God says that I will harden. Not Pharaoh will harden. In, like what we read, we are told Pharaoh hardened. And some other times we are told God will harden. But here we are told God hardened. So how do we understand this? If the hardening of Pharaoh's heart is considered sin, when God says I will harden his heart, what is he saying? This is what I think. This is a figurative language. And here what God is showing is that he says, it's like how is the figure of using a rope to tighten something. So you are squeezing something so that what is inside will come out. So God is saying that what Pharaoh has purpose to do, I would enable him to do. Remember that Pharaoh it's not when we hear God harden his heart, sometimes we might think that is some innocent person, somebody who is desiring to honor God, and God saying that, oh, what? Yes, I know that on your own you want to love me, you want to obey me, you want to submit to me, but I will make it impossible for you to do what you want to do. That's not what is happening. 
Remember who we are talking about, Pharaoh. Do you remember the opening chapters? When Pharaoh saw that the people of God were multiplying in numbers, the language there is used to remind us of Genesis. When God says that we should multiply and be fruitful, we are told that the Israelites there in Egypt, they were multiplying. So it's an idea of God's word being fulfilled. But what did the Pharaoh, how, how did the Pharaoh then see that? He saw that as a national security issue. If we allow them to multiply and grow in their numbers, if war breaks out, what do they do? They'll join our enemies and beat us and run away. So let's mafia them. In fact, let's kill their babies. This is the Pharaoh. So right from the onset, Pharaoh has set his heart to oppose the will of God. This is the king who is going to stand against the purposes and the will of God for his people. And God says that, listen, Moses, I would make sure he follows through with what he's going to do. I am going to squeeze him so that everything in him will come out. All the rebellion will come out. When he wants to go his way, God says, I will enable him. This is a serious act of judgment. When God allows you to do the evil you want to do. When God becomes, as it were, your ally in the realm of sin. That is, God sees the condition of your heart that you are opposed to him. Despite all the warnings, and you see, we'll see in two weeks. Look, the number of times Moses will come to him. The plague will come, and Pharaoh said, Moses, I beg, please pray to God. Moses says, okay, I'll pray. Moses, God, please, please. God answers, and Pharaoh says, oh boy, matrico. God says that in all this, Pharaoh thinks that he is the one in control. But I am working so that all that is in him will be made manifest. When your heart is opposed against God, the judgment of God will be to enable you to do all the evil you want to do. So let me ask. Do you see yourself as succeeding in your evil plans? It's a dangerous place to be. If you are becoming successful in sin, it's a dangerous place to be. When we were young, we used to boast. For me, I can, I can steal my mom's money. She will never know. I remember when I was in SHS, preset classes. We, we are not going there to study. We are going there to look for ladies. So my mom had some money in her drawer, like bundle. So every time I go and I'll pull one. And then I'll come to Atomic Junction area and I'll buy up and down. I used to love basketball, so basket top and down and I take it to classes. When I come, I go back to the bank, and I pull another one. I was succeeding in my evil. 
But I didn't know that, you see, if there, there's money like this, and I am coming and every now and then I pull one, I don't really see that it's going down. But for the person who plays it there and comes back, let's say, in three months, it's so clear. She doesn't need to count. But I was thinking I was successful. She didn't know. But she knew. I wasn't being successful. It's just sin taking a hold of me. Listen, if you think you are becoming successful in sin, fear. Fear. If you think that for you, Charlie, any girl you want, you get. Fear. You can do at your workplace. You, you can, other people go and steal things from the factory and they are caught. But for you, or you've been doing it like three years, nobody has caught you. Don't think that it's happening at the blind side of God. God says, my judgment, the way I'm going to make myself known in judgment is by hardening the heart of Pharaoh so that he becomes successful in his sin. But that is not all. This is just step one. As God hardens Pharaoh's heart and he becomes successful in rebelling against God, this is what is going to happen. God says, he judges through disaster. Let's look at verse 4. He says, he will not listen to you. Then, I will lay my hand on Egypt, and with mighty acts of judgment, I will bring out my divisions, my people, the Israelites. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out of it. So as, as Pharaoh and his officials' hearts are hardened and they are not listening to God, God is only preparing them for some serious disaster ahead of them. Hardening of hearts would always lead eventually to disaster. That is how God is going to make himself known. So that he said, don't think that Pharaoh, you are the one in control. You see, as they were killing the babies, as they were oppressing the Israelites, for Pharaoh, he thought that this was a good thing. Because it is going to secure our nation. This is my land. These are my subjects. I am the one in control. God says, wait. God hardened his heart and caused him to be successful in his sin till disaster eventually happened. Disaster awaits every one of us whose heart is hardened. And we see that for Pharaoh, the disaster didn't happen in chapter 1 or chapter 2 or chapter 3 or chapter 4 or chapter 5 or chapter 6. We are in chapter 7. He has not had disaster. God has patience and time. He really wants to make himself known. So he's patient. 
if we are fortunate, some of these calamities and disaster will happen in this life. So as you are sinning, you are caught, you are disgraced, things happen. But if you are unfortunate, it's going to happen at the end of this life. The Lord who will make himself known through judgment. Nobody will get away. Nobody will get away. God is patient. So this way that God is going to make himself known, the first way the Lord is known through judgment, just reminds us that, brothers and sisters, we live in a moral universe. There's such a thing as right or wrong. And we know, that we know what is right and wrong because God has revealed to us in his word and he has also revealed to us in our conscience. We know. And the God who has made it known is also the one who is going to hold us accountable. He will. He will hold every one of us accountable. We live in a moral universe. Second point. The Lord is known through judgment, the first point. The second point, the Lord is known through salvation. Chapter 6. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. God makes himself known through salvation. And this salvation is based on the promise he gave. He gave it to Abraham. Yes, your people will be enslaved, but after 400 years, I'm coming to rescue them. Through you, all the nations will be blessed. God says that I am this kind of faithful God, and so I have heard their cry, and I have come to put into effect the covenant I made. I don't give promises and then realize that I am unable to fulfill it. I promise salvation. And so I am going to bring salvation. So the basis for God's action here, it says covenant he made with Abraham. That's what he says. And verse 5, the last phrase, and I have remembered my covenant. Then he adds, Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. 
Look at the number of times God uses I will. I will. I will free you from being slaves to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. And this phrase is similar to what God told the Egyptians. He says, then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. God wants to be known. And in this case, it says, and you will know that I am the Lord. How? By the redemption, by the freeing, by the bringing out, what I'm calling, by the salvation I am going to give unto you. God is going to make himself known through the salvation he's going to grant his people. But you realize that there are some obstacles God needed to overcome. Look at verse 9. So when God appeared in chapter 6, God speaks to Moses and then tells him, Moses, speak to Israel. Moses obeyed. Verse 9. Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor. The ELV says because of their broken spirit and harsh labor. Remember in chapter 5, when Moses went to Pharaoh and said, God says, let my people go. Pharaoh, like a lot of people around say that, you are talking about religion and serving God. This is only because you are, a lazy, you are lazy people. If you were really hardworking, you wouldn't have time to talk about going to this God, three days to make sacrifice, going to pray, going to worship. You are lazy. So in fact, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to bring you cement to make mortar. You yourself will go to the shop and go and buy. And there will not be a truck to bring it. You will carry it and bring it to the site and mix it to make your concrete. The same blocks that you are supposed to make each day, make. Remember that even the number of blocks they were making when the straws were provided was described as they were being afflicted. So now, some other element is being taken away. You yourself go and look for your straw and make the same number of bricks. Of course, when it, they couldn't. So what happened? They were beating their foremen. So when Moses comes and reports this, the Bible says, they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and their harsh labor. Yet, this did not stop God from showing himself through salvation. And it's not just the people, it's also Moses. Look at verse 10. Then the Lord said to Moses, go tell, <laughs> go tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the Israelites go out of this country. But Moses said to the Lord, Remember verse 9. Moses goes to his own people. They say, Charlie, Moses, please. Charlie, we are, this God thing. God is going to save us. God, like sometimes when the politicians come during elections, we've done roles for you. We've done, what do we tell them? Master, <laughs> we need money in our pocket. You are talking about roles. Moses, this, Charlie, stop. We don't even have the energy to argue with you. 
just find your place and go. His own people, the Bible says, did not listen to him. And it's as though God didn't hear. Verse 10. Then the Lord said to Moses, go tell Pharaoh. So verse 12, God, Moses tells God. But Moses said to the Lord, if the Israelites will not listen to me, he says, God, you, I know you are God, but let's reason. You listen to yourself. I know you know all things. You have seen what has happened. If the Israelites will not listen to me, tell me, why would Pharaoh listen to me? You, God, help me in this. Help me to reason. But I think what was the big obstacle for Moses was this. Look at what he says. Since I speak with faltering lips. The Israelites do not listen since I speak with faltering lips. Remember how God appeared to him, he raised that objection. I am a serious stamina. If I stand in front of people, God, you have to come and take me to heaven. So I think for also for Moses, perhaps what was happening is that he saw the, the ineffectiveness of his message to be in himself. The ineffectiveness of his communication. God, me, there's nothing. I can't speak well. My people will not listen, but Pharaoh, that everything is at stake. All their building projects and everything, these people are doing it. You see, I should go and tell him that you should let them go. No. So, the God who reveals himself through salvation needed to overcome all these obstacles. The brokenhearted of his people, heartedness of his people, and also the kind of insecurity of his servant. Did these things stop God from bringing salvation? Because he said, I had made a promise and I will fulfill it. And I want to be known. Then you, you, the Israelites, you will know that I am the Lord. But there is an important distinction between how God wants to be known through judgment and how he wants to be known through salvation. I want you to read it and see. I want you to spot it. So read chapter 7, verse 4. No, verse 5. So read chapter 7, verse 5. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out of it. So through judgment, the Egyptians will know. Now through salvation, the Israelites. Then you will know that I am the Lord. There's a qualifier. The Lord your God. So when God is known through judgment, it's just an objective fact. God wants to be known that, yes, I'm the one in charge. Don't think that you, you are the master of the universe. Yes, you are taking the decisions, but don't think that it's happening at my blind side. I am the Lord who is in control of all creation, including you. But when it comes to salvation, God does not just want us to have an objective fact that there is the Lord he is, who is in control. He wants us to be, be able to say that what? This Lord 
is my God. There is a personal, intimate element here God is aiming for. God is not revealing himself through salvation to say that, oh, there is the Savior. He wants you to be able to say, he is my Savior. God is driving for intimacy and closeness in how he's revealing himself. So what? So, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the deep? That is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The God who reveals himself has revealed himself ultimately in the person of Jesus. And here in Romans, Paul says, don't say that, where is God? The God of hide and seek. I can't see him. I can't feel him. I can't know him. He says, no. He is close and accessible in the person of Jesus. The salvation that he promised and that he fulfilled here in Exodus was, was, was seen finally on the cross. And he says that, Jesus is near to every one of us. He doesn't need to be now brought down from heaven. He came. Or brought up from the grave. He arose. The word is near you, even in your mouth. So for any one of us, if you believe in your heart and say that indeed, Jesus is the Lord, it says, you will be saved. And what Exodus is showing us is that God doesn't call us to make this confession so that we will say that, yes, Jesus is a savior. He wants us to come to the place to say that what? Jesus is my savior. God reveals himself through salvation for intimacy and closeness. For, in a sense, a subjective reality that God it's my God. So as we journey through the book of Exodus, this is what we should all be praying for. A greater awareness that this God is who? My God. A greater awareness is something that you sense in your own soul. It's a reality that you are growing in. You don't just speak about a God in the Bible but the God you have come to know. Then the Israelites will know that I, the Lord, am your God. Shall we pray? Is there anyone here 
is succeeding in sin. Are you being successful? Ask God for mercy. This is judgment. When your heart is hardened, when nothing moves you anymore, when you become comfortable in rebelling and resisting the will of God for you. Together, let's pray that if there are such people here, God should have mercy. Lord, don't allow us to succeed in the hardness of our hearts. Mercy. 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 Father, mercy. It's only disaster that is coming if you are not growing in repentance and brokenness. You want to cry to God for mercy. Oh God, soften our hearts. We don't want to be like Pharaoh who sinned by hardening his heart and you enabling him. God, mercy. Mercy. Hearts that are quick to repent, not hearts that are strong to justify our actions and our words. God, mercy. God, mercy. Hardness of hearts will only bring the judgment and disaster from God. So God, we pray for mercy. We don't want to be successful in our sin. Please, God, Father, if you can harden, you can also soften. So we come, please, God. We pray together as a church. Please, God, soften our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. Amen.